Do you ever re-gift any gifts you get? <laughs> you know, you get a gift and uh, maybe you're thinking, oh man, I'm supposed to give one to somebody else and I don't have time to shop and I'm not sure what they'd want, but I have this gift here. I'll just use that instead. Or, or maybe you re-gift because, because what you've gotten is not something really that you wanted or you would use. In fact, you just don't like it at all. And so you find, you know, just give it away, give it to somebody else. Now, how do you feel about getting a gift, if you find out, that's been re-gifted? Do you think, oh man, they certainly didn't put a lot of thought into that, or they just wanted to get rid of something they didn't want, now I have it. <laughs> On the other hand, maybe what you get is pretty good, and you say, hey, this is great, I don't care if it was re-gifted. Well, those are some of the thoughts we might have when it comes to re-gifting but now that Christmas is over, maybe the whole gift thing is kind of behind us. Not. Now we're in the time of the church year we call epiphany, which is a big fancy word that means the showing, the, the manifestation. It's a, it's a time when we look at how Jesus was revealed as a, as a light, so to speak, showing us the way to God. And of course, like we heard in our scripture readings for today, we are reminded of how the wise men came and how they brought their gifts to Jesus of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, some Bible scholars have seen some symbolism in those gifts that they brought, that the gold was brought because Jesus was a king and that frankincense was given because Jesus was also a priest and and incense was used as a symbol of prayers rising up to God. And, and myrrh was given because that was used for healing the body, but also used as an ointment in, in the burial process. And so they say the kings were saying that they knew this Jesus would, would die for them. But I'd like this to take another perspective on those gifts, that God is re-gifting to us. And so in a series of messages this month during this time of epiphany when we look closely at Jesus, we're going to see some treasures, some gifts that God gives to us. And so our series of messages will be entitled Treasured Truths. And today I want to focus on that first gift, that of gold. And I'm reminded of of this passage from Psalm 119. Because I love your commands more than gold, more than pure gold. The psalmist there was telling us something about the value of God's word. And so that's our first message in this series, the value of God's word to us. Now, you notice there that I have a, a, a blank before the word value. When I sent out the service information to the office staff at the beginning of the week, uh, I wasn't sure what word I wanted to put in there before the word value. So I just left the line and I said, I'll get back to you at the end of the week and we'll put a word in there. And so I began studying the scriptures to find out what word would fit to describe the value that God's word has for us. And so I started doing my studying. And this is how I started out looking at the original Hebrew from the Old Testament of how God's word was written. Now, you can see it, right? Now, just remember, Hebrew is read from right to left. 
So we start on the right side of the page. And I'm sure you recognize it, but all of those words are starting with the same letter. And in English, it'd be the letter P. Psalm 119 is kind of an interesting psalm because um, when it was written, the, the author wrote it in, in sections of eight verses, and each section would have a word that started with one letter repeated from the Hebrew alphabet. So this section used the letter P. Every word started with that sound of, of P. And I thought, well, maybe there's something in that that I will use. And what I found was each verse has a, a special value, a message that's telling us about the value of God's word. And, and I found some words beginning with the letter P that we can fill in there. So have your pens ready now in your notes because I'm going to give you a whole bunch of words starting with P and you can write them down and find out the value of God's word for us. And speaking about gifts, this Christmas I, I gave the gift of a Bible to one of our, the inmates that I visit in the Solano prison. He uh, had asked me a few weeks ago if I would be willing to get him a new Bible. And I asked him, um, you know, what happened to his old Bible and, and, and what kind of Bible did he want? Well, several years ago, he had what was called a Thompson Chain Reference Bible. And maybe some of you have seen that. It's a, a very detailed Bible with a lot of information and, and just connects all the different parts of the Bible together. And uh, he had one, but he had loaned it to another inmate. And that inmate loved it so much that he just didn't have the heart to ask for it back. But over these years now, as he's been leading Bible study for us, he really wanted it back so he could prepare. And so he asked if I would buy him that Bible. And I said, sure. Now, just understand that that Bible is not like the $3 cheapy Bible we have in the back that we give away, or, or the $10 Bible we have in the pew in front of you. Uh, this is like an $80 Bible, okay? But the value goes beyond the 80 bucks. After he got the, the Bible a couple of weeks ago, he wrote me a letter and thanking me for getting him the Bible. And he said this, it was like having an old friend again. He said, I sat down for three and a half hours and just read through all the various articles and references there. You see, he understood something about the value of God's word for us. And as we go on and look at these passages from Psalm 119, we'll see what those values are. The psalmist started this way with this, in this section. He said, your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. Now you notice the letters after that, NKJV, um, which is the New King James translation of that verse. And I picked that translation for this verse for a particular reason, which I'll share in a minute. But look at what he's saying. Your testimonies, God, what you say to us in Scripture is wonderful. What they're simply bringing out is God's word has a very precious or priceless value to it. The wise men understood that. If I were to ask you the question, what led the wise men to Jesus, you might answer, well, a star did. No, the, the star led them to the place where Jesus was. What led them to Jesus was God's word. You see, they had studied the scriptures, 
And they understood that God had made a promise that he would send a savior. And so they were waiting for that. And when they saw this miraculous star in the sky, they connected to two things. And so they went to the land of Judea looking for this savior. And not being sure where exactly he would be, they went to the king. And the king had to do his Google search. That is, he had to ask his Bible scholars Where's the Messiah to be born? And what did they do? They looked back in the Bible and saw God's promise, his prophecy that he would be born in Bethlehem. So you see, what what led those wise men to the Savior was the Bible. And that's what's precious about the Scriptures. They lead us to God. And they indeed are wonderful. Jesus is wonderful. One of those prophecies in the Old Testament from Isaiah. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name shall be Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful. That word was used to mean something miraculous. Indeed, Jesus is miraculous. It was a miraculous birth that God would come now in the flesh to live for us. You and I understand the precious value of of God's word, too, because it has brought us to know God. And that's what the psalmist goes on to say then in this next verse. The unfolding of your words, and and you you can picture a scribe maybe unrolling a scroll, or us opening and turning the pages. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple with, with this verse, he's telling us that God's word is powerful. See, God's word gives us an understanding of who God is and who we are and where we are in relationship with him. And it gives us what inquiring minds want to know, what our future is. Now, the scriptures are powerful because on our own, we cannot understand that stuff. The Bible tells us, in fact, that the natural man cannot understand the things that come from God. They need to be spiritually discerned. We need God's Spirit to teach us that. Mark Twain once remarked this about the Bible. Most people are bothered by those passages of Scripture they do not understand. But the passages that bother me are those I do understand. And what's he referring to? He's referring to the fact that we understand that we're not right with God. That with our thoughts, our desires, our actions, we have separated ourselves from him. And there's nothing we can do to get ourselves back right with God. But that's where the scriptures are powerful. The scriptures reveal to us how God has made us right again with him. The Apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel reveals to us how we're right with God. And he told the young pastor Timothy that from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The power of the Scriptures can even bring children 
infants to faith in God. How well do you know God? Sometimes we struggle to try to understand things about him. That's the nature of a sinner. But beside that challenge, there are also a lot of counterfeit teachings out there about God, about a lot of different gods and religions and and the ways to eternal life. How do we know what's right? We live in an age when we're told to accept everything as, as of equal value. Well, maybe we can take a lesson from people who are trained to spot counterfeit money. They don't spend their time studying counterfeit money. They spend their time studying the real thing. So when the counterfeit comes along, they can recognize what's wrong with it. And that's what we need to do, to just study the real thing about God. And that's the power in his word. Now when that happens, it'll have an effect on us. Here's what the the psalmist says it does to him. I open my mouth and pant, longing for your commands. When I read that verse, I couldn't help but think about our three little dogs and and how they pant and get excited for dog treats. (laughs) Dad walks in the house and the first thing they do is they they run over to the treat cabinet because they think I'm going to go there and, and give them a treat. Or if in the middle of the day or something I just say, treat, they'll get up and run right to the cabinet and one assumes the begging position right away. They are just longing for a treat. I'm not that bad. But I do have a longing for things like you do too. You know, if you get thirsty, right? Oh, you're just longing for something to quench your thirst. If you've had a long, hard day, you're just longing to sit down and put your feet up or maybe go to bed and get some rest. Well, the psalmist says, we've got a longing also for God's word. When we taste it, we want more of it. When we have those burdens in life about all the worries and troubles we go through, when we're convicted of our guilt, of our sin, and we're looking for some relief, where are we going to find that? In God's word. Jesus tells us, The Bible has a pleasing value to it. It satisfies all of our spiritual needs. Jesus himself invites us to come to him through his word to find that relief. He says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. That yoke that Jesus wants us to bear, to carry, to be connected to him, is simply his word. As you heard in our announcements, you know, we're we're trying to expand the number of small group Bible study opportunities for you because we want you in God's word. And so we're starting up a whole bunch of new groups that will meet during the course of the week, And you can go to them and and with fellow Christians just 
hear God's word and, and be strengthened during the week. So, you know, we urge you to go to that table back there in the, today and, and to sign up for that. And, and next week, we're going to have a special uh, luncheon after church to explain the program and get it started. Just give it a try. Taste how good God's word is. The psalmist goes on and he says, Turn to me and have mercy on me, as you always do to those who love your name. Where do you turn when you're feeling sick? To the doctor. Where do you turn when you have a toothache? To the dentist. Where do you turn when your car breaks down? To the repair guy. Where do you turn when you need some information? Google. Where do you turn when you know you have sin? Where do you turn when you feel guilt? You turn to God. But look what it says he does. He turns to us and has mercy on us. And that word mercy was referring to pardoning. God pardons us from our guilt. He doesn't say, oh, no, you didn't do it. He doesn't say, oh, no, it wasn't that big of a deal. Oh, just do better next time. No, he pardons us of our guilt. He takes that guilt away from us, and he has put it on Christ instead. And you and I are free. We have relief from guilt. We have joy. We have assurance knowing we're forgiven. Yesterday, uh, our team of people, we were up at Solano Prison, and I uh, got to meet with one of the inmates that we work with. So it turns out uh, he's from Albania, and uh, some of his relatives from Albania, from Europe, uh, had come there that weekend to, to visit with him, and, and another a, a nephew came down from Seattle uh, to visit with him. And so I, I met with them and was talking with them, and and they had a whole bunch of questions because they were just uncertain about the, the necessity for, the, for, for faith and, and where does the church fit in and all sorts of things. And, and this inmate that we work with is a very strong and very outspoken Christian. And he was just so impassionate with his relatives that they need to believe in Jesus. And he said a beautiful line that I want to share with you. He said, I'd rather be in here and know Jesus than out there and not know Jesus. He knows he's doing time for his crime, but he knows he's been pardoned by God, and he knows that joy, that relief, and assurance from that. The psalmist goes on and, and prays, direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. What he's speaking of here is the practical value that God's word has for us. The practical value, the everyday value and help that it does. It leads us in God's will for our life. Now the original Hebrew of this word is not direct my footsteps. It really is steady my feet. Steady my feet. Because sometimes as we walk, like maybe today, you know, it's easy for us to slip. Sometimes our feet hurt. Sometimes our feet maybe are a little weak. Sometimes we stumble over something. And so we need our feet to be steady. And living in this world, there's a lot of things that can cause us to slip or to stumble. There's a world out there that has thrown a lot of obstacles in our way. 
There's a world out there that wants us to walk in a different path, a society that tells us to ignore what the Bible says and instead follow your own desires and thoughts. We have to pray, God, steady my feet. And that's what God's word does. It points us on the right path. It strengthens us in time of temptation. Do you need some help in your daily living? Maybe in how you're getting along with people? Maybe with your short temper? Maybe some bad words? Maybe some dishonesty? Maybe some desires in your heart that aren't right? Let God's word direct you and steady your feet. And he goes on and he says, Redeem me from human oppression, that I may obey your precepts. Redeem me. That means to buy, to buy back. And so he's telling us here that God's word has a purchase value to it. Now, we're often told, you know, make sure you have some good investments and buy gold because that'll give you a secure future. Well, God tells us he has purchased us and it reminds us our future is secure, that we are his forever. The Apostle Peter reminds us of what it is that God has used to purchase us. He wrote this, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. If you want a secure future, people say, make sure you're making wise investments, and maybe you don't buy gold now. But God is telling us your secure, eternal future is in the precious, innocent blood of of Christ. That's what makes you his forever. Jesus paid the debt that we owed because of our disobedience and failing to keep God's law. His blood, his life is holy and sinless, and God gives us that holiness and sinlessness through our faith in him. His blood, the life he gave up, is what paid the penalty that we deserved for our sins. And his resurrection, Peter tells us, and his enthronement in heaven assures us of our eternal life. We are God's forever because of Jesus. And the word has that purchasing power to give us faith in that truth. Then he goes on and he says, Make your face shine on your servant and teach me your decrees. Make your face shine. Shine on your servant. It reminds me of the blessing that we always speak at the end of our church services, right? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you. What he's telling us there, and, and give you peace, what he's telling us there is that God's word gives us peace because it assures us of God's blessings. Think of what, it, what it's like in your life when you're worrying over something and then everything works out okay, and you feel a sense of relief. Huh? 
or feel what it's, uh, recall what it's like when, when you go through something that's been unpleasant and now it's over. You, you feel that, that sense of, of relief. Everything is okay. Well, knowing God's face is smiling on us, is having peace. But how do we know that? How do we know that when we're going through life and we're having troubles? Okay, those troubles get relieved, but isn't it true that soon after that another trouble comes up? How do we know that, that we are blessed by God when, when life just doesn't seem to be treating us fairly, when our life isn't as good as that guy over there? God's word assures us of those blessings. It doesn't change. God is always there with us. And the Bible shows us that. The Bible is filled with stories of real people and the troubles that they have gone through and how God was with them and blessed them. That's the assurance that God gives us with that peaceful value of his word. And finally, the psalmist says this. Streams of tears flow from my eyes, for your law is not obeyed. Streams of tears flow from his eyes. He's telling us that he's really been moved, filled with emotion over those who are separating themselves or rejecting God's word. What it's reminding us is that God's word has a passionate value. It touches our heart. Simply put, it moves us to love God and his word. You know, when you've tasted something good, don't you want more of it? When you've done something you've really enjoyed, don't you want to do it again? You may even want to tell others about it. You may want them to have the same experience. Several years ago, uh, the Coca-Cola company changed their recipe for Coke, and they brought out new Coke. And there was an uproar. I was one of them. Couldn't stand that new flavor. We want the old Coke. And they brought it back. Sometimes you just get passionate about something because you want that good taste. That's what the psalmist says God's word does to us. It makes us passionate to want more of it, to want to protect it, to be upset when, those, when there are those who are rejecting it and changing it. We want that precious value of God's word in our life and in the life for others. So there's the P words to describe the value of God's word. It's precious, powerful, pleasing, pardoning, practical, purchasing, peaceful, and passionate. Now what do you do with it? The Apostle Paul said, let that message of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it work through your whole life. Let it flow into every corner, into every aspect of your life, your work life, your school life, your finances, your relationships. Let that word of God go into every aspect of your life. Putting it bluntly, go for the gold. Go for the gold of God's word. And then consider regifting it. God has given us back that gold. He's given us Christ in his word. We can give that to others too. Amen.